and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where I review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and riddle me this. What has two legs and flies? Me. Sean! That's right. Welcome back. That makes just as much sense as the other riddles in the episode last week, so. <laughs> no, flies buzzing around you, get it? Oh, that's true. I do have flies that way, you're correct. <laughs> you get so used to them after time, they become like pets, and, you know, I don't even notice them anymore, so. Oh, nice. Well, this week, Sean and I are continuing our two-part series, covering the first story of the great 1966 series, Batman. Uh, last week, we watched the first episode of the series, entitled High Diddle Riddle, and this week, we are covering the conclusion of the story, the episode entitled Smack in the Middle. As we talked about last week, you may notice that the names of some of these two-part episodes rhyme. So this is High Diddle Riddle, Smack in the Middle. Just so you know where you are in the, the episodes. If they don't rhyme, you've watched them, you know, at the wrong order, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This aired on ABC on Thursday, January 13th, 1966. Actually, a day after the premiere episode. Uh, as we talked about last week, you know, these episodes would show up brand new on Wednesday, and they'd leave you with a cliffhanger on Wednesday night, and you'd have to wait all the way till Thursday, the next day, uh, to see the conclusion. So pretty much an hour episode broken up over two days. Something you really don't see anymore. Well, those kids back in the 60s had it good. They didn't have to wait an entire week like we do now, unless we have, you know, Netflix, we can watch the entire uh, season of an, a show in a, a day. But Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, you could see kids going to school in 1966 and, you know, talking about it and like, oh, what's going to happen? Do you think they're dead? <laughs> I think they died this time. There's no, like we talked about last week, you know. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're dead. They're definitely, Robin's definitely dead. <laughs> yeah. And they're right to think that because, uh, you know, th these situations really are impossible to get out of. But somehow Batman and Robin always find a way. Yep. Now, just like the previous episode we talked about, uh, this episode was written by Lorenzo Semple Jr. and directed by Robert Butler. And so if you're listening to this and you haven't heard part one, uh, it'll make a little more sense, uh, you know, at least a little. So go back and listen to our High Diddle Riddle episode to get part one of the story uh, before we begin part two here. We'll wait right now, so go ahead and do it right now and come back. Yeah. Let's take a pause. Okay. Okay, well, I hope okay. you enjoyed that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get right into this episode. So, we open on the Batman logo, along with the words, in color. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. And uh, from here, we get a typical recap for these part two episodes of Batman. We get a series of still frames from last week's episode, along with voiceover from the narrator. Yes. You know, the funniest one, I was cracking up when I watched the uh, still frame of Robin in the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Where he was getting shocked or, or knocked out by um, the Riddler and his oh, head yeah. was thrown back. It was just the funniest, <laughs> most embarrassing pose they could have possibly got. <laughs> he just like he was having a, a, a conniption fit or something. It was just hilarious. <laughs> so uh, the, the narrator uh, talks over these still frames. And this is our, our recap. So here he says, in the previous bad adventure, we saw the prime minister's exploding cake. With a puzzling message from that rascal, the Riddler. The dynamic duo. Pinned the Riddler's ears back, but he tricked them. With a million dollar lawsuit against Batman. Glee for the Riddler. Gloom for Batman. But then a fresh clue. Which led Batman into a Batusi trap. <laughs> which laid him low. And then Robin got it. In the arm. That's the scene right there. Yeah. Yes. 
The Riddler had it made. Gotham City was aghast. Robin seemed utterly doomed. But wait, the worst is yet to come. There's like long pauses between these, I guess, you know, as they're showing the different still frames, but I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, and the worst is yet to come again. <laughs> and so basically, uh, just to recap the story, uh, we have the, the Moldavian Pavilion at the uh, World's Fair, which figures into the story very early, and then they never really revisit it for the rest of that episode. No, you forget, totally forget about it. Yeah, and so... the. Was it a friendship cake that explodes, and yes. that's the Riddler trying to get Batman and Robin's attention? Uh, he tricks him into a lawsuit, which uh, not that compelling of a story, but I guess it will force Batman to reveal his identity. Which again, what we talked about last week is so stupid because he was <laughs> obviously, you know, again, I, I was thinking about this watching this this part of the episode. Batman, he saw a guy pointing a gun at another guy. You know, yeah. it was whole, Riddler's whole thing. It was a it was a lighter. It wasn't a real gun. I mean, that's just just cause right there. And you know, he's totally justifying what his his actions were of jumping through that window. So totally, sh- that's what episodes have ended right there. But <laughs> and so uh, Batman was lured to a a go go bar where he was drugged. Of course, Robin, being too young to enter, was outside. He was uh, shot in the arm with a, a tranquilizer dart taken underground by the Molehill mob, and the Riddler uh, has some sort of plan for him. We're not sure yet what it is, and uh, Batman is now back at the Batcave waiting to uh, see if Robin is okay, and that's that's where we are now. Well, in the last episode, I mean, you saw the guys with the doctor things on, the, the Molehill gang. Yeah. And he was going to cut them. I mean, that's why I was like, whoa, Riddler's going to do some surgery on Robin here. Yeah, it seems like it. That's uh, so I totally expect his organs to be sold somewhere at this point. I mean, <laughs> that's the I came in the episode thinking this new episode thinking, okay, Robin's he's cut, he's done. That would be the worst. Yep, that would be the worst yet to come, definitely. <laughs> so, back to the episode. From this recap, we cut to the famous animated opening sequence in which we see Batman and Robin take on a crowd of their villains with onomatopoeia-filled punches as their famous one-word theme song plays. So from here, we open on a, a darkened intersection. It's early in the morning. Uh, as the episode title is displayed on the screen, smack in the middle. Uh, the narrator then speaks, Comes the dawn, a bright shining dawn over stately Wayne Manor. And uh, we cut to an exterior shot of Wayne Manor. Uh, the narrator continues, But in the depths of the secret bat cave, no birds sing. And so uh, we cut to the... The Batcave, we see Batman here. He's using a homing computer to try yes. to make contact with Robin. You know, of course, he's still missing. Uh, evidently, he's equipped with some sort of homing transmitter, but is unable to use it uh, because he is, of course, still passed out from last episode. And I like here, Batman yells into his microphone. He's like, turn it on, boy. Yeah, correct. I was going to mention that, too. <laughs> turn it on, boy. It's like, we expected to hear him through the, if it's off. I mean, how, what, what do you want him to do? He's just hoping. Hoping that, you know, oh, maybe the homing device will turn itself on if he says it loud enough. <laughs> if uh, I don't know if you noticed some of the other labels of the um, devices, because we talked about Batman's OCD uh, fetish for labeling things. Yeah, They're yeah. pretty obvious. Probably shouldn't be labeled just in case someone breaks into the Batcave. But <laughs> a couple of things, little Easter eggs in the back there. There's a TV set looking thing called the Lunar Scanning Screen. <laughs> so apparently Batman can, can scan the moon. Sure. Uh, apparently. 
And the other one, Intergalactic Recorder. Weird. So, I don't know if it was recording intergalactically, but okay. Yeah, that's very strange. You would think that his crime-fighting area would be around, you know, uh, Metro Gotham City. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't really need an intergalactic recorder or a lunar scanning screen. Yeah. And uh, wasted resources there doing that, but, you know. Maybe Darkseid was a planned villain later uh, on? Possibly. They're going to bring the Justice League into it. I don't know, <laughs> but and it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Some space-themed stuff. That's weird. I didn't notice that. Yes. So just then, Batman's rotary phone rings. It's Alfred calling to tell him that Aunt Harriet has noticed that Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson's beds have not been slept in, and she's very worried. So Batman tells Alfred to tell her that he and Dick are spending the night at his uncle's house. Yeah, Aunt Harriet's a little bit controlling, I think. <laughs> That's a little weird. You not notice? I mean, come on. Well, you know, she goes around, probably makes makes the beds. She does housekeeping, and... You know, when you notice that, especially the kid, you know, you didn't need to make his bed, which he should make his own bed anyway. That's a whole I mean, other yeah, story. He's 19 years old, I mean, at this point. <laughs> Still playing with airplanes and, you know, no wonder he can't go into, what a way to go-go. <laughs> so, cutting to the underground lair of the Riddler and the Molehill Mob, we see that the, the Riddler and Molly, played by Jill St. John here, uh, remove a plaster cast from Robin's face. I was so disappointed. I thought for sure he was going to get cut, but... Yeah, they did not need to dress up like doctors. Uh, or have scalpels, I mean... Yeah, there, there was nothing going on uh, that re would require any of that stuff. It's just making a cast of just his face. Yes. With the mask still on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Why, why they did it that way, I mean, that's kind of bizarre. You think yeah, they would they... just, you know, take it off and wear on top of the mask or... Maybe say, hey, let's see who Robin really is. But yeah. apparently that didn't cross their minds. I love the two little straws poking out of the nose holes. Oh, yeah, he's got to breathe. Of course. Yeah, of course. He could have just smothered him to death with the mask. <laughs> why, why didn't you just kill him? It would have been a lot easier <laughs> to make a mask if he's just dead. He's not a very good supervillain. No, but Frank Gorshin here as the Riddler is so good. I, he's my favorite bat villain of, of them all. Yes. Well, there was a nice little romantic scene, too, between, you know, Jill St. John and, and Frank Gorshin and the Riddler and Molly. Yeah. I, they, I was, uh, there was be some smooching going on there, it seemed like, for a minute. Yeah, you know, they didn't seem that interested in each other at all uh, in the first episode, but here they share a couple of flirtatious lines of dialogue. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, like, oh, where's this coming from? Yeah, they were into each other. Maybe that answers your question from last week about why don't the Molehill mob, you know, ever make an advance on her or anything. They're more interested in their poker, and uh, maybe that's what it was. They knew that. It was, it was Riddler's girl? Riddler's girlfriend. They, yeah. They know better than to mess with her. I think if you were, you know, had a girl like that, you would just give up the whole whatever he's trying to do here, which I still can't figure out what his, his goal is, but, <laughs> you know, just take a vacation. It's okay. <laughs> so as um, the Riddler and Molly are kind of flirting with each other here, we hear subway trains kind of rumbling in the background. Because as we saw last week, the Riddler and the Molehill mob have their secret lair underground uh, with the subway system, which uh, yes. Batman doesn't know yet. So he then tells her to make a positive from the mask using instant compound X and tells her to get into her outfit while he baits the bat trap. If you notice, Molly seems to be wearing some sort of transparent shower curtain. Yes. Like that's, <laughs> I don't know what kind of costume that was. Usually the costumes are pretty good in this. It's like well, it's a, probably, That's from the Whiskey A Go-Go or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's a, it's a door song, actually. Uh, the With a Way to Go-Go yeah, yeah. probably. It's a 60s, you know, beatneck type outfit. I guess. It was like, oh, we need a cape. Uh... <laughs> she just came off shit from upstairs, so, you know. Yeah. 
So Riddler partially unstraps Robin from the bed. He sprays him in the face with a can labeled A, and Robin slowly comes to his senses. And uh, Robin demands to know the meaning of what's happening, and Riddler tells Robin that Batman is hanging. And, you know, Robin's like, what? He's like, hanging by his phone, I hope. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) So he demands that Robin get Batman to call him through police headquarters on his famous hotline. Uh, Riddler has another riddle he wants to pose to Batman. And obviously Robin does not want to oblige, but Riddler accuses him of being scared that, oh, he'll outwit Batman yet again. So Robin replies by telling him, you know, it'll be a cold day in August when we're scared of you. And he demands the telephone. You can't say hell, apparently. No. But they can smoke up a storm in these shows. That's not a problem. (laughs) That's fine. Lung cancer is fine. So we get a spinning transition. We open on Commissioner Gordon's office where the phone rings. Uh, Gordon is relieved to hear that Robin is okay and agrees to plug Robin into Batman's hotline. Which uh, I didn't know they could do that. Yeah, I was expecting to like hold the two phones together or something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like end to end so I could talk. Okay, can you hear him? Yeah, yeah. Again, showing that, you know, he had to actually talk to, like, an operator and get them, you know, plug into Batman's hotline. Yeah. Like, okay, so they could definitely trace his, and they said to trace it, too. I mean, well, trace Joker's end, um, excuse me, Riddler's end. Yeah. But you think they could do it, trace Batman's, you know, where the Batcave is, too. I mean, maybe they just do it on trust. I guess they just don't want to. Yeah, I don't know. Come on. <laughs> so Gordon races over to his desk. He picks up the phone, demands, like you said, that the operator plug O3. I don't know why we get that dialogue. Like it matters to us. He asks that O3 gets plugged into the bat line and also trace and record the call. So back in the bat cave, we see Batman leap out of his chair as the red phone begins to glow and beep. I noticed in the background here there's a labeled rack of giant leather-bound books. Did you see that? No. It's called the Batman Research Shelf. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's labeled. And so uh, Batman runs over and picks up the phone, speaking briefly to Robin, but then the Riddler grabs the phone to give him his next riddle. These are are doozies. Oh, boy. He says to Batman, Riddle me twice, Batman. What kind of pins are used in soup? Terrapins. Yeah, Robin immediately yells from the bed. I I guess he overhears it. Terrapins, Batman! And Batman yells, Right! And the Riddler gives them both, you know, a very good... And then he poses the second riddle. What was Joan of Arc made of? And so, made of Orleans. Yeah, Ro- Robin kind of struggles. Uh, this time Batman knows it, though. And yeah, made of Orleans. Now, if you watch the episode like I did with the subtitles on, because I don't want to miss any lines of dialogue, yeah. you're kind of given a clue because the word made on the subtitles is spelt M-A-I-D. So I, what is Joan of Arc M-A-I-D? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. I thought this was a typo. Very briefly, and then, of course, I see, just like last week, this is another riddle that only works verbally. Yeah. It's pretty funny. They kind of work verbally. <laughs> yeah. So then the, the Riddler simply replies, that's where you'll find him. Happy hunting. So Robin then grabs the phone from the Riddler and warns Batman, you know, not to fall for it because it seems too easy, and he'll get himself out of the situation the same way he got in. Which... By getting shot in the arm, <laughs> I know, really. <laughs> so... At this point, the Riddler just sprays Robin in the face with a can labeled B, putting him back to sleep, and he hangs up the phone. He kind of sprays him. He kind of misses his face. Yeah. I I, I saw that. I was wondering, you know, what did the prop department use for the spray? I was thinking of poor Burt Ward. It was probably like Lysol or something. (laughs) I was thinking it was like a Lysol can. (laughs) Take three. You got to react better, Burt. Come on. This is a lemon pledge this time. It's okay. Can you guys angle it to the side a little and take no, three? No, it has to be right in the face. Nope. 
right in the face. <laughs> Not realistic. Uh, so cutting back to Batman in the Batcave, Batman ponders these two clues, Terrapins, Orleans, and then he instantly realizes what it means. The old turtle mill at Orleans Cove. Which makes no sense whatsoever, but why he would understand that or come to that conclusion. But, all right. Well, obviously, that's where it points to, I mean. I know, I was thinking, you know, the old turtle mill, whatever that is. It's a mill where they they mill turtles. I guess. You know. (laughs) The poor things. They have to mill them for their shells. It's It's probably what it is. 60s. Yeah, tortoiseshell glasses were That's in right. vogue. Well, you gotta get the tor- yeah, we can get the tortoiseshell somewhere. <laughs> the turtle mill. Uh, the uh, the Hitting Play podcast does not approve of animal violence. Animal violence, yeah. yeah. Turtle milling should have been outlawed decades before this episode. So Batman then jumps into the Batmobile and he takes off, and now we get that famous sequence of the Batmobile leaving the Batcave through the secret exit in the rocks. Which isn't too conspicuous at all by the uh, road market blocking thing. Yeah. That's blocking the entrance to the Batcave Road that falls down and goes back up. I know, as we talked about last week, it's just that wooden barrier blocking nothing, which if they just had that gone, people would just drive by it and not notice anything. But they have to put this bright orange thing up there. Well, I'm surprised, you know, they probably would see, even with the with or without the wooden barrier, I mean, there's probably scorched trees from the engine of the Batmobile going by, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, scorch marks on the ground. Yeah, there's probably tire the marks, too. Tire marks and... In and out. It's like, ah, oh, that's too hard to figure out what's going on there. Really? So, after a Bat Logo transition, we cut back to Riddler's hideout where Molly walks into the room dressed as Robin, holding the mask in her hand, and the Riddler is very pleased. Uh, he even says, fantastic, pretty lady. Molly then turns away from the camera, leans over to put the mask on, and the camera briefly cuts back to Riddler. And when we cut back to Molly... We see Burt Ward as Molly, as Robin, in the acting performance of a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, this is, it, it, this really shows all his chops second episode in. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, evidently, uh, for Burt Ward to act female, all he does is smile a lot. Well, that's what girls did back in the 60s. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't even think Jill St. John smiled that much in her role as Molly. I thought that was kind of funny. Well, um, uh, this is an amazing mask, since it not only changes his face perfectly, her face perfectly, it also turns her anatomy into a boy's anatomy, so this is pretty pretty good. Yes, the physique changes as well. I think they try to cover him up a little bit with the cape, but, you know, it's it's very silly. It's, it's, yeah. So the Riddler can hardly believe his eyes. He, He looks to Molly dressed as Robin, then back to Robin strapped to the bed behind him, and there's no difference at all. So he laughs with delight. He then removes the real Robin's belt, which evidently is the one part of the costume they could not replicate. <laughs> yeah. And he, he gives it to Molly Robin, the imposter Robin, telling her, put on the belt, on to the bat hunt. Well, I'm surprised they got the other outfit so I readily. Know. Yeah. Get that? I mean, get that made to order somewhere? I mean, bizarre. Yeah. He's like, I'm not paying another $50 for that belt. We'll just steal it. <laughs> we'll steal it from him. <laughs> but he needs a transmitter, a homing transmitter on it, too. So that was probably a... Uh, that's true. You know, crucial component that they couldn't reproduce. That's part of the plan. That is yes. true. Yep. <laughs> so we next get a blue Bat logo transition and open on Batman driving the Batmobile, which is now six miles away from Orleans Cove, according to the nearby highway sign. Getting to the turtle mill. <laughs> so uh, meanwhile, the Riddler and, in quotes, Molly Robin look down at Batman uh, driving. Uh, they're looking down from an overlook. And uh, Molly then turns on the very clearly labeled homing transmitter found inside Robin's belt buckle. 
Just in case you forgot where it was, it's labeled, so that's good. Yeah. More <laughs> Batman OCD there. That's excellent. <laughs> she then says, done. And keep in mind through all this, we're seeing Burt Ward pretending to be Molly in disguise as Burt Ward's character, while Jill St. John's voice is now being dubbed in over him. I'm just confused all around. Uh, so, Riddler and Molly then jump into their car and drive towards the Batmobile. The Batman is looking at his detectoscope, and he sees that he's now getting a reading on Robin's location. And so he just continues to drive in the direction of the arrow on the scope. And you'd think that a detectoscope would be a device that could only detect other scopes, but I guess it does a little more here. Yeah. <laughs> a little distracted well, driving, too, for Batman. Maybe there's a scope in the homing device. Never know. <laughs> should be a detect-a-homing device. Detect-a-homing device scope. He's like, I'm running should... low on labels. Yeah. What do we call this thing? I don't know. Detect-a-scope. <laughs> but it's scope. It's on, like, a console between the seats, and, you know, Batman's speeding in this jet-propelled car, briefly looking over between the seats to look at the scope. I mean, this is very distracted driving, very unsafe. Yeah, that would be against the law today. It'd be a law against that. Distracted Batman driving. <laughs> That's why you need Robins there, you know? It's really screwing him up that Robin's not with him, not because of any crime-fighting skills necessarily, but he needs someone to watch that scope. It's true, it's true. You know? So as the Riddler drives by the Batmobile on the highway, Batman notices the arrow on the scope immediately changes direction. And so he uses the emergency bat turn lever, of course, very clearly labeled, to make a very quick parachute-assisted U-turn. Yep, with the bats in the parachutes. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. And what, nice souvenir for somebody who wanders along on the side of the road, pick those up. Yeah, yeah, it just attaches. You wonder if he kind of <laughs> goes back at night to recover <laughs> the it. flashlight. <laughs> Robin, those those parachutes have to be around here somewhere. Uh, Look in the bushes over there, son. It's clearly marked with my logo. <laughs> That's all I could tell was <laughs> distinguish it from other parachutes that might be wandering around. I got I got a uh, feeling this is Alfred's one of his uh, responsibilities. Go pick up this garbage afterwards. Probably had Anne Harriet sew the bat logo onto it, and yeah, <laughs> Alfred's the retrieval crew. Yeah, Anne Harriet's like, why am I doing this again? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Dick and I are going to my uncle's house, and just don't worry about it. Uh, so, of course, this driving, this stunt driving, it, it's done by speeding up the footage very clearly. And when we what? cut to the... They weren't going that fast, really? You didn't think so? Uh, oh, I thought they were going that fast. <laughs> uh, it's, so, it's so stupid. And when we cut to the actors behind the wheel, they're very clearly on set driving, you know, pretending to drive with a projection of the road behind them. <laughs> You're screwing up this whole thing for me, Scott. I gotta tell you. Sorry, I'm giving you a, a, a peek behind the cape. I know. I'm. I'm never see Batman again after this. <laughs> so, uh, cutting back to uh, Robin, Molly, and Riddler. Uh, Molly tells Riddler she can't believe it didn't happen. Uh, the Riddler just tells her to shut up, tighten her seatbelt, and put on her crash helmet, and that Batman will give them the Bat Ray any moment now. Abusive relationship, right there. <laughs> Yeah, he's Time not a shut up. That's not a nice. good guy. No. So, Molly, as Robin, of course, uh, then puts on her silver helmet and takes the wheel while Riddler puts on his green helmet, featuring, of course, a black question mark because everything has to be that you know fit the yep. motif. Of course. Very stylish. Yep. So the Riddler continues for a while, and we cut between Batman driving and the Riddler driving as the instrumental version of the Batman theme plays. You know, they I guess they really had to fill it for time a little bit here. Yep. 
<laughs> and finally, Batman does what the Riddler predicted he would do, and he presses a button on the dashboard, activating the Bat-Ray projector. Yes, uh, with the headlights of the Batmobile. Yeah, these Bat two Ray. blue beams. It's interesting, the uh, terminology that Riddler uses, that the ignition was disabled by this ray. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't really affect the car at all. I mean, especially <laughs> the brakes, which I don't think, last time I checked, aren't connected to the ignition in any way. And even when a car, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but if a car is in motion and on, disabling the ignition really wouldn't, I don't think, do anything, right? No, not until you shut it off and you're... And try to turn it on again. Yeah, exactly. Very, he's not a very good mechanic or doesn't know his automotive terminology. <laughs> I guess not. So, basically, the, the bat rays have conked out the car. The car begins to coast, so the Riddler tells Molly to hold on tight as he allows the car to drive off the road and crash. So we cut to a view of the vehicle. It's smoking, and it's flipped on its side. It's on the side of the road. The Riddler and Molly crawl out of the driver's side unscathed just before their car bursts into flames. So Molly Robin then lays down on the ground, pretending to be injured as the Riddler runs off into the brush. And uh, finally catching up, Batman arrives to find the car completely engulfed in flames and what he thinks is an injured Robin lying nearby. Boy! Boy! Yeah. It, what did Batman think? You know, I mean, Riddler's like, oh, he's going to use the Bat-Ray any moment now, and Batman sure enough does, but that's going to be dangerous, you know, especially when he thinks, well, Robin's in there. If you're firing this ray that knocks out a car, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I thought it was going to knock out the ignition, obviously, and the car wouldn't be able to start again next time. I guess he figures, well, he'll he'll pull over and come to a complete stop. Yes, yeah, so I'll just turn off and he'll be fine. <laughs> and Riddler will give up, you know, without any fight, and the episode will be over. Yeah. The physics don't really work out with the way the car landed and where Robin Molly's body is. Yeah, no, I know. It's like totally on the opposite <laughs> side of the car, and, you know, it's like... There's no, unless gravity had a little bit of a, a conniption there for a second, there'd been no way that would possibly happen. Totally unscathed, too. Not even, like, you know, put on, like, a f fake blood or, you know. Yeah, or, a cut here, you know. Some dirt on the face, as we always see in this kind of cheesy production. Yes. Nothing. So Batman hops out of the Batmobile with the tiniest fire extinguisher I've ever seen. He runs over to Robin to see if he's okay. And, of course, with this being Molly in disguise... She grabs her throat and groans, uh, kind of as a way of not having to use her real voice. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Yes. And so Batman asks, you know, what has the Riddler done? And Molly Robin mimes a shot in the arm and points to her throat. And so Batman understands this to mean that the Riddler's dope has affected Robin's vocal cords, and that's why he cannot speak. His dope. <laughs> I know, yeah. So did Batman, I, I didn't miss this part, did he actually put out the fire after he took Robin, or picked up Robin Molly? He was about to. He had he that, just kind of left it burning. Yeah, it, I, it, you know, what did he care? So he takes out this little fire extinguisher. I mean, this is like two Red Bull cans stacked on top of each other as a fire yeah. extinguisher. I don't know what it was going to do to uh, put out a car, but he goes to put it out, and then he notices Robin there. You know, he was going to use it to save Robin. But when he saw Robin was there, he immediately went to his aid and decided, you know, What's the point in trying to salvage an empty car? Unless he, you know, figured, well, I'll just let Riddler burn. I guess so. He even bothered checking to see if he's in there. <laughs> so. So, Batman tells Molly Robin not to try to talk, picks her up, puts her in the Batmobile, and drives off. 
So after another spinning transition, we see Batman and the disguised Robin drive down the highway and back into the secret entrance of the Batcave. Yes. So this is not good. Molly knows where the Batcave is. So Batman drives into a screeching halt and leaps out to get the universal drug antidote. But just as he does, Molly jumps up, grabs her gun, and tells Batman to reach. This is uh, where things get weird. Yeah, very weird. So Batman is not caught off guard at all like you would expect. He just casually turns around and he says, Well, Molly, I was wondering when you'd get around to that. Da da da. <laughs> so Molly asks Batman, off camera by the way, if uh, he was able to see through her disguise. And it seems like a little ADR to help the kids watching understand what's happening. Yeah. It's, it's not really it, Robin with the gun. It's, it's, uh, it's Molly. It's kids got confused, kids. Yeah, really. And her anatomy has come back too, so everything's okay. <laughs> After a quick camera cut, we see Molly has taken the mask off, and now Jill St. John is back in the place of Burt Ward. I have a, a screenshot now of, of uh, Molly pointing the gun at Batman with the, the mask in her, her hand. Yeah. That is the most horrible-looking mask ever, first of all. <laughs> and I know seeing that Robin's mask on top of the mask, his uh, mm -hmm. you know, green mask, in this shot is an actual mask, like a green mask. It's, <laughs> it's separate from the, the, the face mask. The Robin face. Yeah, yeah. So, and we talked about a few minutes ago that he was put the mold was on with the face mask on. Maybe he yeah. wanted to get that fabric look. So if he takes the if she took the fabric mask off, the there would mask be there. a skin mask underneath. Uh, I see. Okay. Well, I don't know if I buy that, but okay. I, I don't either. I'm not defending yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Batman tells Molly that the straws they placed in Robin's nostrils to help him breathe while they made the plaster cast of his face made a defect in the mask that he was able to spot instantly. I call bullcrap on that. I know. Batman says it was the one hole in their plan. It's like, well, that's two holes, really, if we're talking about nostrils. There you go. I just thought that was so funny. How well does he know Robin's nose? <laughs> he, he checks out at night when he's sleeping. I know Robin's nostrils aren't that big. <laughs> There's defects. It's from all those times looking over at Robin, uh, you know, while they're driving in the Batmobile, like talking to him. He just knows that left nostril so well. That he's like, wait a minute. That's not. He should have said something like, even more believable if he said, well, I noticed that Robin now had girl parts and that that wasn't right. Yeah, really. I mean, that's that's more understandable than uh, the nostril explanation, but. <laughs> So, Molly then attempts to shoot Batman, but to her dismay, the gun won't fire. Batman reveals to her that when the two of them were in the Batmail together, he secretly burned off the revolver's firing pin with a hidden bat laser beam. Laser, yes. Laser. I thought that was funny. Adam West's pronunciation of laser is laser. Laser. Well, that's what I initially wanted to be pronounced, but, you know, laser. <laughs> So instead of throwing the gun at, oh, I don't know, Batman's face, she throws it at what looks like Batman's chemistry set and tries to make a break for it. That's my chemistry set. That's the <laughs> bat set. So seeing no exit from the Batcave, Molly does what any logical person would do in this situation. She climbs into the Batmobile's nuclear power source, which is that large, angular, upside-down cone structure we see prominently in the background of any Batcave scene. Yeah, the Batpile. On it, we see a sign featuring two skull and crossbones that reads, Keep off, atomic pile, super high, high voltage. 
And it powers the Batmobile, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he has this nuclear core, like, under Wayne Manor. Very dangerous. <laughs> OSHA would have a field day with this setup. <laughs> so Molly climbs to the very top, and now she notices that she's trapped. This is very stupid. Yeah. She looks down to see the glow and the rising steam from the completely exposed nuclear core. It would make more sense for her to try to climb up the pole to get back into the house than it would to go up there. Or try to exit the way the Batmobile came in. Maybe there's yeah. a, a button that makes the rocks move away or something. Who knows? Probably a sensor or something that, you know, yeah. run by and it'll trip it. So although nothing really to put Molly in further danger has happened, even though in actuality she's probably already been exposed to radiation here, all that's happening is the power source begins to make loud noise. She begins to scream for help with more and more urgency for really no reason. Well, she, they don't, it doesn't want her up there apparently. <laughs> so Batman yells up to her to stay still and, you know, he'll climb up and get her. So once again, taking that clearly labeled battering from his utility belt, as we saw last week, he throws it up to, oh, just a random metal hook that happened to be sticking out of the rock walls. And he pulls himself up to Molly. And, and I can't even call this pulling himself up. How would you describe this action, Sean? Having do you a condition fit? Yes, I do. Yeah, it was very, very awkward. <laughs> Kicking his legs, flailing a little bit. Yeah, it's obviously a harness. Very clearly. I'm very yeah. impressed with Batman's upper body strength here. He doesn't yes. even use his legs. He climbs floor to ceiling in about three seconds, all have... while moving at a forward angle. I mean, completely defying physics. Tinkerbell must have been there to just put some powder <laughs> on him or something, because <laughs> that's the only way he can get up there that quickly, uh, in that way, in that manner. Yes. So instead of just climbing up to her, Batman is now at a level of scaffolding above her and yeah. reaches down to her. So meanwhile, Molly is kind of waiting in the same spot for Batman. But now when he reaches down, she gets scared and panics and climbs down lower into the power source. You think she would have gone the other way down out, you know, off of it, but. Or just be like, you know what? I'm caught. It can't get any worse than this. So let me just grab his hand and yeah, at least be safe. Yeah. Batman tells her not to panic, he climbs lower, but now she's too scared to climb back up. Keep in mind, there's no danger yet, she's just frightened, and on top of that now, she begins to slip, because she's moving away from him. Yep. So, she screams for Batman, who she's been scared of up until this very split second, she falls down into the atomic energy, and as she does, we strangely see a flash of light and smoke rise from outside of the nuclear power source. Yep. The camera looks straight down into the core, and we see a large plume of smoke rise up into Batman's face. And uh, that's, that's the end of Molly. Now, do you think she was vaporized, or do you think that... Do you think there's a corpse down there? <laughs> I, I think it's implied that she was vaporized. It was a very clean... Uh, energy-efficient death. I like to think there's a corpse down there. And there's a sub-scene after this, or an extra scene where Batman's trying to figure out how to get her out of the uh, No, that would core. be Alfred with the pool skimmer. Yeah. <laughs> the hook. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, you know, femur, sir. It must have been an awkward conversation, either way, with uh, Femur, between uh, Commissioner <laughs> Gordon and Batman. Because they must have known that she was part of the gang, or known yeah. of her. He probably mentioned her, you know. It's like, oh, we call the molehill gang, but we, we can't find that Molly. That man's like, um, uh, 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 I kind of know something. Do you think he would shut up about it or just be like, oh, yeah, she's she's taken care of. Yeah, taken care of, Commissioner. It's all, that's all you need to know. 
No, I need to know what's going on, Batman. Where is she? Uh, she lives on as forward motion for the Batmobile. <laughs> She'll fuel the Batmobile for seasons two and three. <laughs> uh, so sad. So the only only on-screen death in the show. Is it? Or not? Yep. Wow. Wow. A lot of uh, firsts and onlys in this two-parter. That's right. Well, I get out of the way, you know. Yeah. And Batman kind of looks down here in this scene after Molly dies. He he says to himself, poor deluded girl, if she'd only let me save her. And he pauses for a moment and continues, what a terrible way to go, go. That was an Am West uh, improv. Line. Was it? Yep. That's funny. This is a reference to the nightclub from the previous episode called What a Way to Go, Go. Uh, and this is where Batman first meets Molly and he's drugged by the Riddler's associates, the Molehill mob. So this fits into the theme of the episode. But why would Batman in this very serious moment make a pun to nobody? Just making a joke. It'd be funny if he smiled at the, and started <laughs> laughing like a maniac. <laughs> I'll have oh, to tell Robin that one. That's a good one. <laughs> Alfred, come clean out the uh, reactor. Uh, so fortunately for Batman, the one villain to whom he showed the location of the Batcave has conveniently been vaporized. Yep. So we then get a green Batman logo transition. We open on Gotham Police Headquarters, where the Batmobile is parked out front. And, uh, I, I like here, if you notice in this scene, th there's a group of people that have gathered on the sidewalk. Yeah. And they're kind of staring at the Batmobile in fascination. Of I thought course. that was a, a nice touch. It's like seeing a celebrity, yep. Yeah. It'd be weird that people just walking by it and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> that freak again. Inside, we see Batman replaying his phone call with the Riddler to Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara on a reel-to-reel. -reel. And uh, as they listen, we hear Robin's parting words to Batman where he advises him not to fall for the Riddler's trap. We get that line, I'll get out of this myself the same way I got in. And uh, Gordon remarks that the situation was hopeless and that the call broke off before they could make the trace. Yeah. Oh, well, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, really. Give it up. New, Get a new Robin. Yeah, Gordon's done with the case, evidently. Yep. Well, that's why I had such a hard time, you know, like in the first episode when they just all sheepdogishly looked away and gave up before they even, you know, tried to solve the case of the, the bomb. <laughs> call Batman. So Chief O'Hara mentions that it wasn't even a good recording because of all of the devilish rumbling noises. And a good thing he said that, because Batman now puts two and two together, telling them that those rumbling noises are their salvation. He immediately asks for a timing on the tape and a complete set of subway schedules, and he tells them that the Batmobile will do the rest. Yep. So he runs out of Gordon's office, and after we now get a magenta Bat logo transition, we cut to Batman activating the mobile Bat computer in the trunk of the Batmobile. And so yeah. this is, uh, you know, one of those clunky 60s computers but in the the trunk of the batmobile and and it uses its automatic radio link to check in with the main computer at the batcave which is clearly labeled as u.s and canada crime computer <laughs> if it happens in any other country it, it goes to another computer evidently or the intergalactic crimes which goes to yes. a different whole different computer yes all other countries and galaxies go to that computer yeah and the mobile back computer next spits out a piece of paper reading 10th Street Line, Coolidge Square Station. So we next get a red bat logo transition. We open on the Coolidge Square Station, where the police have asked all of the passengers to keep clear of the platforms. Yep. A Batman runs in, and using his trusty bat gauge, he is somehow able to detect that Robin and the Riddler are behind that wall. So after setting up an explosive device, Batman steps back and ignites it with a tiny laser gun. Lazar. 
Sorry, yeah. laser gun. Yes. You'd think that would be a, not a very smart thing to do. No. You know, to not know what's behind the wall, really. <laughs> I mean, your bag cage tells you someone there. Yeah. Could be water back there. Could be a Could bathroom be, you know, back gas there. lines. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody bathroom. on the toilet back there. <laughs> hey, Batman. Hey, Green Hornet. <laughs> okay, that was back there. So meanwhile, inside, the Riddler wonders uh, where Molly is and what went awry. Robin tells him that he went awry and that crime never pays. And I, I mentioned this exchange because it's very funny. I, I was cracking up at Riddler's next response to this. He calmly walks up to Robin and he starts saying, Ho, ho, ho! Hey, hey, hey! And he keeps getting louder and louder. And, and finally, he gets interrupted by the wall exploding in the back of the room as, as Batman comes in. <laughs> It's so weird, and I was thinking, it's almost as if Frank Gorshin was told, why don't you kind of improvise and vamp menacingly until yeah. the effects guy got the charges to fire? <laughs> What's menacing? Menacing. Ho, ho, ho. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Very bizarre. Hold I, see, I think second. he was a sick of Robin talking to him. Yeah, you know, not even good conversation. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'll just shut this kid up by talking aloud. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. And yelling at him, yelling in his face. Finally, Batman comes in, Robin yells, holy smoke! You know, because of course, uh, we get a holy in every episode. Yep. If you remember the previous episode, it was holy barracuda. This episode, it's holy smoke. Holy smoke. And Batman jumps in, yelling, surrender, you rat! <laughs> the Riddler pretends to surrender for a split second. It's very funny. And then he just runs out of the room. Uh, but before he can get far, Batman is able to tie Riddler up with his Batarang. How'd you like the Batarang effect here? That's awesome. <laughs> Best effect I've seen yet, honestly. It's almost on like a, a thin wire that they yep. kind of just use to guide around him. It the, it flies very slowly. It's very funny. I was thinking to set this thing up to go, it must have taken like hours. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, just uh, screw it up. You have to do it again. Oh, what a nightmare. But uh, the Riddler gets tied up next to a series of levers on the wall in the other room, very conveniently. He yep. pulls one, and a sheet of bulletproof glass slides out, sealing Batman and Robin from Riddler and his molehill mob goons, who I guess were just happened to be in that other room anyway. And they're cracking up in the background, yep. <laughs> so a uh, good thing uh, they spent a lot of time in the subway setting up all of these uh, traps. Yeah, bulletproof glass... Uh, you think maybe the laser would work on that? Or more, expo more heavy explosives to blow through it? Yeah. You know. <laughs> but they don't even try. Nope. So the Riddler laughs maniacally as Batman tries to break the glass with a large chunk of debris, but it doesn't work. And the Riddler draws a question mark on the glass and waves goodbye as we fade out to commercial. Hmm. So the show now goes into a commercial break. Why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves? We'll pay some bills, and we'll be right back. Hi, my name is James, and I have fat fingers. It took me a while to admit it, but after years of getting bitten accidentally at baseball games, I knew I had to take action. Every winter, my fingers would get dry, and nobody likes dry fingers, especially dry fingers that look like dry hot dogs. So I invented a lotion that takes care of it and restores your fingers to their own natural beauty. And it looks like ketchup and mustard. Just look for James Finger Lotion in your grocer's freezer. I also invented a glove that looks like hot dog buns. And we're back. Now when we return from commercial, the Riddler is long gone and Batman finally unstraps Robin from the table. Thought that was pretty funny. I can't believe they didn't kill you, boy. <laughs> That's the first thing I would have done. So Robin tells Batman, oh, I, I played Possum earlier. And while he was doing so, he heard 
uh, the Riddler's final caper is set for tonight and he knows what it is. And he also heard the Riddler make up some more clues. So here's some more riddles. Uh, here we go. How many sides has a circle? I actually like the answer to this one. This was kind of a clever riddle. Sure. Okay. So it's two inside and outside. Yeah. Which I think was was kind of kind of cool. Yeah, sure. The second one is what president of the United States wore the biggest hat? Well, obviously Abraham Lincoln. Uh, that's what you would think. Yeah. But Batman starts to pace. He's trying to think of the answer. But before he can, Robin tells him, it's easy, Batman. The one with the biggest head. I still think Robin is in on this whole caper, to be honest with you. It seems certainly seems that way. He, he knows the answer. Too quickly, yeah. Yeah, to everything. So Robin immediately knows that the term biggest head has to mean the famous skyscraper head office of the Gotham City National Bank. How? And obviously, <laughs> I know. And obviously the first clue means that the Riddler is going to go inside and cart the loot outside. Oh, okay. Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So Batman replies, well, well, we've come a long way from the prime minister and his exploding cake. Or have we? Or have we? Now, when I heard this line, I thought to myself, this must have been what the writer said to himself as he's writing this. Like, wow, we've come a long way from the prime minister and the exploding cake. Why do we write about that in the first place? <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, we got to end here because uh, we didn't wrap that storyline up at all. Yeah, we forgot about that one. So Batman and Robin then run out of the subway lair to contact Commissioner Gordon, and we immediately cut to nighttime on a Gotham highway as police cars with their lights and sirens drive towards us. Uh, we next get a few words from our narrator as we see the molehill mob along with Riddler in his formal wear creep through the subway tunnel. And uh, he says, And now, even as the fearless minions of the law converge on the head office of the Gotham City National Bank, miles away, the Riddler and his gang are about to come up under the Moldavian Pavilion at the Gotham City World's Fair. Holy Red Snapper, has Batman goofed? Holy Red Snapper. (laughs) And so we next cut to the Moldavian Pavilion at the Gotham City World's Fair. And uh, as you'll notice, it is still part of Moldavian Fiesta Week. Yeah. Which, uh, how we opened part one last episode. And this and apparently is the Prime Minister's Climax Dinner. Yeah, very which is odd. bizarre. Term. Very, very odd <laughs> phrasing of that there. <laughs> and we next see one of the great treasures of the country, the famous Mammoth of Moldavia. Now, which if is... you remember from last week's episode of the podcast, we kind of briefly mentioned it. It's, you know, in part one, that the Moldavians had a very large treasure here, and it had a cloth draped over it, and the Prime Minister was going to unveil it to the crowd, but we didn't get to see that unveiling because the Riddler made the Moldavian friendship cake explode. Yeah. And that's what now it was. We get, we get to see this awesome treasure. <laughs> we, we learned that the Moldavian mammoth was discovered in the ice centuries ago, and now it has priceless jewels affixed to it, and it's stuffed, I love this, it's stuffed with used postage stamps from the ancient kingdom of Moldavia. And the Prime Minister says in his description of it that the stuffing was very cheap at the time, but is now worth a fortune to stamp collectors. That's eh, so stupid, I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on. Oh, it's, it's goofy, it's goofy fun. So the, the fact that it's a, a mammoth that was frozen... And it has jewels on it, and it, you know, I'm sure there's not many that are, you know, taxidermied mammoths around. Yeah. You know, you have to bring in the thing, I mean, about the postage stamps, I mean, come on. Why even bring your country's most priceless treasure there? Yeah, yeah, this is not easy to transport. This isn't like the crown jewels or anything. I mean, it must take cost of fortune, first of all. Probably smells. (laughs) 
So meanwhile, underneath that pavilion where this dinner event is being held, the Molehill mob and the Riddler put on gas masks and release nitrous oxide, or laughing gas as it's also labeled, through the very clearly labeled air vents. Evidently, Batman did some HVAC work uh, (laughs) for that pavilion. You'll notice that the Riddler's gas mask looks like an elephant, and I guess maybe this was an attempt by the prop department to match the mammoth in some way? Yeah, it's the whole theme. It's very Jokerish here. I think they kind of got mixed up who the Riddler was compared to the Joker. Hmm. The whole rest of this this uh, conversation and the rest of this the scene. And even just, the costume is different too. It's like purplish, like the Joker. It's it's very bizarre. It's something yeah. you see the Joker wearing, not Riddler. You know. Yeah, we should mention the costume change here, as Riddler has uh, many costume changes. Very stylish, as we talked about last week. He's now in a green and blue plaid suit with pink gloves, hat, and shoes, or kind of a pinkish, purplish color. Yeah, that's very. It reminded me of Joker right away, because Joker's kind of that pinkish or purplish type thing. Yeah, that's his scheme, color scheme. The Riddler then crawls through an air vent big enough to fit a human which I thought was uh, pretty convenient for him. And he crashes through uh, the grate, landing at the Prime Minister's dinner where the people are mingling and listening to violin music. They're very unaware of this thick gas pouring through these air vents. (laughs) I think it's the mammoth, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The Riddler then makes himself known to everybody, saying hello. And the Prime Minister asks, you know, what is this? And one lady tells him it appears to be a vulgar low comedian. Again, going back to the Joker thing. Yeah. And he actually is a comedian, apparently, because he starts to launch into his material, asking, uh, has anyone seen my friend Kirsch? And when the Prime Minister asks, Kirsch who? The Riddler replies, oh, Gesundheit. Yeah, that's a a great one. And the gassed audience begins to laugh. You know, they're finding it very, very funny because of the nitrous oxide. The Riddler then asks, did you hear about Greta Garbo? She dreamed one night she sprinkled six boxes of grass seed in her hair and woke up moaning, I want to be a lawn. And they loved it. Yeah. And this joke needs a little explanation. Greta Garbo, famous actress, she actually retired from showbiz in 1941. And after that, she kind of lived as a recluse and was very famous for saying, you know, I want to be alone. I want to be alone. So that was a play on, I want to be alone. I want to be a lawn. Very timely for the 60s. Yes. Now, if you're between the ages of, like, 25 and 35, you may best know Greta Garbo from A Joke on the Simpsons. When Gabbo was being advertised on billboards, Mr. Burns was all excited, thinking that Garbo is here. Oh, okay. (laughs) And if you don't know any of that, I can't help you anymore. No, yeah. Go to Wikipedia, friends. (laughs) So, at this point, the climax dinner, the, the room is pretty much fogged with gas. Everyone is laughing so hard, their sides are hurting. They stumble around. Everybody, including the police, guarding the event, they all pass out and fall to the floor. So the Riddler, you know, of course he's wearing his mask. He's not affected. He takes out a pistol and fires a shot into the ceiling, signaling the molehill mob to detonate explosives, which blow a giant hole between the pavilion floor and the basement. So just as they begin to prepare to bring this priceless mammoth to the hole that they've just created in the floor, Batman and Robin burst out of the side of the mammoth wearing very strange little oxygen mask devices. Yeah, yeah, covering their kind of their face and their nose. It's kind of weird. Yeah, you know, and if you notice, they have little oxygen tanks strapped to them, like the size of like a battery almost that yeah. say oxygen on them. <laughs> just in case. It's like, what's that, one breath's worth? Yeah, it must be... Wayne technology, Wayne uh, industry <laughs> technology. Do they have bottles that say, like, you know, hydrogen or anything? Or, I mean, 
You have to label oxygen. What else are you going to breathe? I mean. I, I guess. I'm just waiting for Batman and Robin to follow uh, Jar Jar Binks down to the Gungan <laughs> yeah. Palace or whatever. Me saw and we saw. Ugh. So Batman tells him, the joke's on you. And Robin asks, when's a donkey spelled with one letter? When it's you. It's like, oh boy. Oh, uh, yeah. And the Riddler replies in genuine dismay, a Trojan mammoth? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and Batman and Robin then begin to explain what has just transpired. We need this, of course, as the audience. They sent the police to the bank as a ruse. Robin's initial interpretation of the Riddler's clues were incorrect, and Batman came up with the correct answers. The biggest head was the fabulous mammoth of Moldavia with the jewels on the outside and priceless postage stamps inside. That was the inside-outside. Oh, that like, how, yeah, okay, I could see that. It makes so much more sense. <laughs> you could apply it to, like, anything. It's yeah. the stupidest thing. Yep. So the, the Riddler, now hearing enough of this, tells his goons to now get them or it's curtains. <laughs> and we next get another hallmark of the show, the uh, hilariously choreographed fight scenes, along with more of that... You know, those onomatopoeia plastered on the screen, and we get, of course, the instrumental version of the theme. So this is a, a typical bat fight. Usually happens in part two. And I have actually screenshots of all of the overlaid um, hitting sounds. So, so what we do have, we got? We have crunch, with an explanation <laughs> point. Zlonk, clonk, bam, with looks like a bullet hole in the middle of the A. Kapow, ouch, wham. Zap with three exclamation points. That must have been the bat laser going off. <laughs> Kapow, again, in purple this time. Urk, U R K K K K K, Zock, Biff, and Zwap. <laughs> Four Z's and a Wap, an exclamation wow. point. Yeah. I, again, I haven't been in many fights in my life, but I've never heard any, except Crunch, I haven't heard any of these sounds. Yes, and Crunch with a K. But, uh, you know, it's it's campy, it's stupid, but it's great. You know, it just reminds you of, uh, like we talked about last week, a, a Golden Age or a Silver Age comic book. This is the fight scene, and as punches are landing, you're getting all these, you know, comic-type-faced pows and blams and zocks and everything else. It's, it's great. <laughs> so at one point in this fight, the Riddler decks Robin, like, into a table, having no qualms whatsoever about injuring a child. Because as we figured, he's probably 17. Yeah. And yeah. Batman is surrounded, and now Batman is getting punched on all sides. Robin then slides up on a tray table and then jumps headfirst at the group, freeing Batman. And now seizing a brief opportunity to escape, the Riddler jumps through the hole into the basement, only to be followed by Batman. Now here, the Riddler pulls out a gun, but before he can shoot, Batman throws a smoke bomb at him, you know, because you got to have one of those in every episode as well. Yep. And the Riddler ends up firing into one of the nitrous oxide tanks. So, uh, here's a question. Why didn't Riddler just use his gun in the middle of that fight? Um, because that would make too much sense. That's the only it, thing it, I can come up with, honestly. Batman and his villains have a very odd relationship in this show. You know, neither wants to see the other killed. They just want this this cat and mouse game to always continue. Yep. Yep. <laughs> if I was Batman, I would have said, I killed Molly. She's dead. <laughs> That's been part of it, just to mess around with his mind, you know? That would have been, yeah, a very out-of-character Batman. I kicked her down in an atomic pile. <laughs> oh, and I laughed. I made a joke about it. Some have a tiger in their tank. I have a molly. She drove me here. 
we would sympathize with the Riddler at that point. Yeah, get him upset, you know. Maybe that should have been the scene where he, you know, is hesitant about pulling the gun, and then he just does it at that point. You know, he's kind of like waiting for it. He's not going to do it, but he's like, he's filled with rage and he wants to kill Batman. He misses. Yeah, kind of, kind of a darker slant than what we're. Yeah, a little here. bit, a little bit, but. You know. <laughs> so now, as uh, gas begins to pour out of that tank, Batman climbs up the ladder just before an explosion occurs in the basement, and we see purple and orange plumes of smoke just billowing out of this hole as we fade to black. Mm-hmm. So we assume that the uh, mammoth is destroyed now. Yeah, I was gonna get to that. That's that's what I was just gonna ask you. Uh, this whole time, I'm waiting for this moment where Batman is gonna reveal. Oh, so this is how we created a fake mammoth and put it in place of this priceless treasure. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, that's the end of that scene. So Batman and Robin uh, have completely destroyed this priceless treasure. They got inside and burst out like, oh, it's like. The Trojan horse. It, they had to drill a hole inside, a pretty sizable hole, to get in, first of all, without anybody knowing about it, apparently. Yeah. Probably their economy is, you know, uh, depends on this treasure. It's like the crown jewels, like, in, like destroying that. And they burst out of it, <laughs> stamps everywhere, with an explosion and, and holes being drilled in the ground. I'm sure, yeah, they, they probably weren't thrilled. No, it's like hide behind it or something. It's huge. Yeah. Did they really have to drill themselves inside of it and then burst out? They couldn't go back out the way they came in? Yeah. Or even drop down from the ceiling. I mean, come on. Yeah. It still it still keeps the plot going about them knowing that it was a, you know, saying the ruse of the, the police officers to the bank. <sighs> it was a bit bizarre. We, we should have gotten a scene where Bruce Wayne has to cut this huge check to Moldavia. <laughs> Oh, it's uh, $2 billion. Okay. <laughs> well, we're broke. <laughs> Looks like we gotta sell the atomic pile, Dick. Yeah, really. You have to get that part-time job at the soda shop. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, we, we just fade away from this scene. There's no restitution given to the Moldavians. Their priceless artifact completely destroyed. As this costume man tries to capture another costume man and is unsuccessful, by the way. Yeah. So we next fade in on Stately Wayne Manor, where we see Bruce, Dick, and Alfred. They're gathered together in the living room. And Alfred asks Bruce and Dick if the Riddler's lawsuit against them was dismissed. Oh, yeah, I forgot. There was a lawsuit. Well, he's because dead. I... So, yeah, I'm thinking it is. <laughs> well, according to the report that Alfred heard on the radio, the plaintiff, the Riddler, failed to appear in court. As, as one does when they are deceased. Yeah, so the fact that he is a, a maniac and tried to start an international incident by stealing a foreign treasure does not automatically remove this lawsuit from, from being. <laughs> I mean, honestly. I know. It, it should have been thrown out anyway, as yeah. we talked about. But uh, this especially, you know, we could see who we're dealing with here. Yeah. He's concerned about it. He's concerned about the lawsuit still. <laughs> Dick assumes that the, the blast of laughing gas in the basement, that must have killed the Riddler. But Bruce tells him that the police never found a body down there, and that the Prince of Puzzlers may have well escaped underground to baffle them another day. Which, yes, of course, we're going to see Frank Gorshin as a Riddler much more. I remember Molly's still dead. That's <laughs> one thing. And Dick is kind of disappointed to hear that the Riddler didn't die. <laughs> asking if they failed, but Bruce reassures him by saying that the Molehill mob, they got caught evidently. They're now in jail. He said the mammoth of Moldavia was saved, and that really prevented an ugly international incident. Well, no, I mean, that thing is all burst apart. Yeah, Maybe they, 
they sewed it back together, maybe, but that didn't save it. <laughs> they really, they caused a worse international incident. Yeah. At, at least if the Riddler had gotten away with his plan and they, they kind of let him steal the mammoth, Batman and Robin probably would have recovered it. And what, how, how is he going to fence that? What was the end game here for the Riddler trying to fence the, uh, the, the elephant, the mammoth? I get, uh, if I had to guess, it would have to be to, to salvage the jewels yeah. and, and maybe the, uh, the priceless stamps inside. Yeah, I guess. I mean. But how are you going to cart a mammoth out of there, you know? Yeah, exactly. They're never going to get that thing through the hole in the ground. I'm sorry. Yeah. And plus, you know, you have all of a sudden the stamp collector's world has, you know, 14 billion uh, Moldavian, ancient Moldavian stamps flying the market. And there's not any kind of uh, issue with that. That's I mean, if, if they're even any good, I mean, they've been trapped in there. Uh, well, I guess not even. When was that thing stuffed again? <laughs> Since ancient say. times? Ancient it was... time. They're ancient Moldavian stamps. So they they found it in the ice yep. a couple stuffed of it. hundred years ago and said, let's use our ancient stamps to stuff it that yes. we have lying around, which they didn't have ancient paper stamps. Well, maybe the stamps at the time was were considered ancient at the present time. But those aren't ancient. Well, I mean, <laughs> come on. It doesn't make sense on so many different levels. They gutted the mammoth, ate the innards, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, that's true. They did have to scoop whatever was in there out. Gutted the innards, uh, stuffed it with stamps, because that's what they had laying around, and uh, put jewels on it. I'm pretty sure taxidermists wouldn't, I don't know, would have a problem with stuffing something with stamps, but... Yeah. It's probably not very good... Um, material for taxidermy purposes certainly not acid free yeah so in this conversation now bruce says that he has one regret in the whole affair and that, that's one thing that makes him heartsick. and now to the side of bruce on, on the frame we see jill st john's face superimposed on the left side of the screen this is weird yes yeah it's so strange and dick replies molly you kind of liked her didn't you and Bruce tells him how he had hoped to somehow save her and wean her from her tragic alliance to the underworld. It's like he knew her for like three minutes. <laughs> yeah, then total. she drugged him. She kidnapped the child under his care. And then she attempted to shoot him in the face. Yep. And and uh, <laughs> give up his whole identity and his secret identity. Yeah. Because that was the whole end game for that. Yeah. How long did he know know of her? Like I, I mean, the only explanation we could come up with is that... Maybe because he has seen the Riddler before, maybe he has seen Molly before and has had dealings with her. But as far as we're concerned as the audience, this is somebody that's done some horrible stuff and tried to murder you. Yeah. I think he's kind of like immature that way. He's like a, yeah. you know, a 10-year-old with a crush. Oh, she's so beautiful. <laughs> I can turn her. <laughs> as we talked about last week you know batman is always teasing robin like oh you got that girl that you like across town you know he's just so jealous he wishes he had a, a love interest he's gonna have any kind of uh yeah relationship he can get his hands on even though he's supposed to be like a playboy i mean yeah that's how he's really shown as part of his cover stories this non-caring rich playboy with women abounding you know all over him basically but <laughs> Apparently not Adam West version of Batman. No, I mean, as we talked about, this is family entertainment. So, yeah, so Batman is really just this lovelorn millionaire, very lonely existence, just a bachelor's life. Uh, it'd very... be funny, um, they should have showed him with, like, Molly's skull or something. Oh, no. <laughs> Labeled very carefully on his desk. Oh, Molly. Man. Molly. Alas, poor Molly. Alas, I knew her poor... well. Yeah. 
So, Ugh. as as he was about to continue, he's interrupted by Aunt Harriet, who brings in a serving tray and says how she hopes that he isn't speaking about any young woman they know because she wouldn't want Dick exposed to any criminal element. Bruce tells her not to worry that the woman he was talking about was merely someone he passed like a ship in the night and vanished like a puff of smoke. Oh, that's just wrong. I know, he's making another joke, joke. here. It's literally a puff of smoke. In fact, I was thinking about this. Aunt Harriet should have been smelling Molly vapor in the house like <laughs> yeah. the entire day. What is that stink? Yeah, it's behind like, the bookcase. Did I burn something? It smells like a corpse. What, what's uh, going on? It's terrible. Oh. As we talked about last week, she is very forgetful and she's very uh she has some memory issues going on. She doesn't see or is very naive. She doesn't yeah. seem to understand what's going on with uh Bruce and Dick, so yeah. But this is very disturbing. That'd be funny yeah. if you started like laughing manically again after the, the, the puff of smoke coming. Oh, get it, chum? Get it? Oh, she's burnt up. What a way to go, go. <laughs> but you know, in in reality, this has a very dour ending. You know, Batman's talking about, oh, this is someone I could have turned. This you know could have been love, and now she's gone, and. You know, it's it's a horrible ending. But now moving on from these depressing words, immediately, the episode finishes with Bruce saying to Dick, like some help with that algebra? And Dick replying, sure would, Bruce. And he goes to help him with his math homework. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well. And we fade to the closing credits. Uh, so, yeah, that's the end of our two-part episode. This is the end of Smack in the Middle. So the Riddler yes. lives on another day, and he has to find uh, another girlfriend and... An- another set of henchmen. Yep. So, Sean, what are your thoughts now as we finish our two-part examination of the first story of Batman 66? Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, come on. This show is great. If you haven't seen it before, buy the DVDs or, or see an episode somewhere. It's a fantastic show. And you could be assured that every episode is pretty much like this. Um, this is not a one-off because it's the pilot or anything. it's just fantastic it's the whole theme it's just very very funny it's interesting you know i'd love to have been a kid at this time to experience this firsthand because it i don't know must have been normal i guess back then it seems very silly to us today but i mean it was probably very high tech you know very futuristic very you know i don't know but now of course that kind of fades over time and it's just it's just funny and adam west is is the best so yes it just just see it. It's it's a great show. You won't regret watching it. Or you might. I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> but I like it. I love the show a lot. And um it's always has a, a place in my heart is you know, there's only a few things those childhood memories you think of that you really get permanently set in your mind mm-hmm. for shows or music or movies or whatever, or the first time you see something. And this is one of those things. Definitely. It's kinda like, you know, you can't do that on television, which we talked about a while ago. Mm-hmm. This is one of those those core memories, which I it always brings a smile to my face when I think about Batman, and I continue to watch it to this day. It's just it's just really funny. Yeah, I totally agree. This is one of my favorite shows of all time, and as Sean said, you can get them on DVD now. They uh, they released them maybe uh, what two years ago? Last I think yeah. about two years ago. You can get them on DVD. You can get them on Blu-ray. I believe they're also on iTunes. So. As we talked about previously, you don't have to wait for a new channel to show up with cheap syndicated shows. It's like all of a sudden the hub is a new channel and oh, they're showing yeah. Batman. So it's like, oh, I can I can see Batman again. Now now you can lock them down, you can have them in your collection and you can watch them whenever you want and they're so great. You know, we talked about the pilot episode 
and this follow-up episode to it, you know, parts one and two, they really started out strong. I mean, yeah. Frank Gorshin, in my opinion, the best bat villain of them all. But there are so many other great ones, as we we briefly mentioned, Cesar Romero as the Joker and Burgess Meredith as the Penguin, and Julie Newmar and Eartha Kitt as Catwoman. Oh, yeah. uh, Mr. Freeze shows up. Vincent Price as Egghead. There's so many great villains, uh, and it's silly. And, you know, being a kid back then, I'm sure it, it seemed like a comic book come to life. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, and that's the kind of stuff they're doing in this this age of comics for Batman, too, is kind of yeah. zany, funny stuff. It wasn't very yeah. super dark or serious like we have now. It's, you know, it was the Zork and the Biff and the Zlap <laughs> type stuff. Yeah, I like Cesar Romero personally. He was he was great as... Oh, yes. Frank Gorshin's good, too, though. Yeah, they're okay, all great. Scott, well, quick question before we end this episode. What's yeah. best best Batman actors? Who's your favorite? Going to the least favorite. Or you could just, you know, whatever. However you want oh, to do it. Oh, boy. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to exclude the, the actor that played him in, like, the serials and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't Because yeah. I, I honestly haven't seen those. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. We want to rank them? Yeah. Favorite right, tours. That, that's tough. I mean, I'm going to have to put... I, I got to put Adam West at the top. Yeah. You know, because I, I can't judge him on the same criteria as the other Batman, you know? Yeah. So I'll say I'll say Batman's number one. Boy, Christian Bale I'll put as number two. The Dark Knight trilogy, I love those movies. Yep. I would put Michael Keaton number three. Yep. Oh boy, we're getting low. Uh, Val Kilmer number four, I guess. And George Clooney number five. I just, you know, maybe, maybe he was okay, but you Batman and Robin too. is such a terrible movie. Who did I miss? Uh, Affleck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, that's too fresh. Um, man, I, I guess I would put Affleck under Keaton. Really? Okay. So, so West, Bale, Keaton, Affleck, Kilmer, Clooney. That would be my... Wh- wh- how would you rank them? I would do... I agree with you with West. West is number one. I would go Affleck number two. Okay. He was a very good Batman, in my opinion. I can tell you, Kilmer's at my bottom of my list. I couldn't really see him as Batman. That's fair. I guess Keaton number three, Bale four, um, Clooney five, and then um, uh, Kilmer six. Okay. That's yeah, I can I see that. Say. Yeah. I, I just, I like uh, Ben Affleck's portrayal in all the films so far he's been in. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's actually been in just what Suicide Squad and um, Batman vs. Superman, but he's yeah. done an excellent job at it. And, you know, Keaton, I didn't mind. He was pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's, for the time, it was great. Yeah, it was a great movie. Yeah, I mean, now comparing it to the other ones, maybe it doesn't hold up as much, but there there were some great moments in those those Tim Burton Batman movies. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, especially the first one. I mean, the first one was really the, you know, best one, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Jack Nicholson really made that film, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Christian Prince's Bale. Bat Dance. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> kidding me? That's one, my, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I know, I know, I'm not, not joking. Where he's, he's going up the steps and they, they're, just, you know, messing up the pictures of the spray paint. Yep. And it's a really disturbing looking one. And yep. the guy's about to spray paint it and the henchman's about to spray paint it. And he stops and goes, oh, no, I like that one. It's so <laughs> messed up looking. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's... that's You were you were saying something about Christian oh, Bale. Oh, Christian Bale. Yeah, he's okay. I just, I'm not a big fan of those those movies. They're okay. As the other ones, I mean, I don't know. I, I just couldn't. Especially the last couple. And the first one, that was okay. Batman Begins. I, I just didn't like his portrayal as, as much as the other guys. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm kind of uh, putting him a little too high in my rankings just because of the it's movies your overall. It's fine. It's your rankings, yeah. 
No, I mean, of course, Heath, Le- Heath Ledger definitely helped as well. Yes, yeah, that made him his, definitely. Just speaking about the the Riddler, I mean, we could we could do a whole another episode just talking about the, the Batman movies and the villains and everything, but mm. I was just thinking about the Riddler. You know, Frank Gorshin was so great. He, he was such a brilliant actor, and uh, as we talked about last week, all the, the his credits and everything, you know, Star Trek and, and, and everything like that. But, yeah. uh, you know, when Batman Forever was about to come out, I, I want to say, what, 1994? it came out sounds right yeah as a kid my friends and i we were so excited you know here's another batman movie finally and the riddler is going to be a villain and it's going to be jim carrey playing the riddler who as i mentioned in uh, the the previous episode my first look at batman 66 was on the brand new station fx which showed batman all the time and showed in living color all the time. So in my mind, Batman was like the coolest superhero. Jim Carrey was like one of the funniest people on the planet. And now all of a sudden in the same year that I'm getting into these two shows, their worlds are actually kind of colliding. And I was so psyched for for Jim Carrey as the Riddler. It was so funny. Yeah, he didn't do a bad job. It was okay. It it wasn't a bad movie. I've revisited it and I'm like, yeah, I mean, Batman and Robin was like, an abomination still still remains one. Oh yeah, yeah, it's horrible. The one with the penguin was pretty bad. Ah, oh, see, I like Batman Returns. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> that was all right. I like I like the one with the Joker. That was the best one. Yeah, Batman. Yeah, that was, Batman. Uh, that's Batman a that's one. still a classic. Took you can find it when it came on on videotape. I remember that like yeah. nineteen ninety. It's impossible to get in VHS. Now you go to like Good Goodwill or somewhere and get it for a buck. <laughs> so there you go. But, uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen Batman 66, yeah, I recommend, again, it's campy, it's fun, it's it's an all-ages type of show, but definitely worth checking out. And, and Adam West, uh, again, brilliant acting performance, masterfully done, because he plays Batman so straight-faced, so seriously. This is, again, a detective trying to solve a case. And, yeah, the world is colorful and crazy, and everything's like go-go, and... You know, comic book like around him, but he is just the serious detective trying to solve a case underneath this funny painted cowl, and it's just so well done. It's very worth your time checking out. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your plaster masks, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Sean, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, just uh, again, my YouTube channel. Um, our YouTube channel, which is called Three Blind Mice. I play stuff with Scott occasionally. Hopefully we'll have a revival of one of our Minecraft maps pretty soon. That's all maybe a possible teaser. Mm-hmm. And uh, also my son Jonah. He has a YouTube site called Endercoder. So check him out. He does Minecraft stuff. And I'm still working on the uh, subreddit for uh, Hitting Play. Hopefully that will be up sometime in the future. I'm trying to get that going so we can maybe have some, some chatting about the show for our fans. That'd be great. Okay. Uh, I am on Twitter. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine. There, my name is also MC and Friends. There, I do flip page cartoons and little humorous animations. And Vine is going away. So I moved everything to Instagram. So you can follow me there. Uh, There, I am MC underscore and underscore friends. So there, I I post some of those uh, flip page cartoons and some other drawings that I work on. Uh, If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. 
For Android users, we are also available to stream in or download on Stitcher. And please make us a favorite on Stitcher if you listen to us there. Uh, We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app. So you can check us out on all of those platforms. If you have a Roku device, you can actually download the TuneIn Radio channel. You can set Hitting Play as a favorite. And as these episodes are posted, you can stream them right from your television. Well, we have been Sean and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Would you like some help with that algebra, Sean? Sure would, Scott.